Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm excited today. We are welcoming Jeff Ben to the mic. He's an entrepreneur, a life architect, and a mentor. We cover Jeff's journey and his pivot points in life, how the mind and body work together, everything from psychedelics to questioning a better way. This is chock full of good information for entrepreneurs and people trying to live their best lives alike. Enjoy this conversation and free your mind. The rest will follow, as Invoke says. Enjoy this. Jeff, thank you for the time and energy. Let's wrap soon. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and see the video version of this conversation. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today is a beautiful day. I'm super excited. We have an entrepreneur and fellow podcaster now, Jeff Venn, in the house. Uh, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, Jeff. Kristen, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to dive in and see what we uncover. Yes, we. I think we are going to have a really great uh, example of turmeric and tequila as we just going to share his bio. You know how we do on TNT, tell his background, and it's uh, pretty opposite of mine. However, we wound up in similar spaces, both being on the mic at least. And uh, it, it, he has a really interesting journey. So we're just going to let the conversation go as we do. But I wanted to, instead of reading his bio, I wanted to read one of his mission statements on his website. Uh, and if you know me, you know this resonates with my soul, but it's a wonderful thing. It goes. Many people will tell you where to go, what to do, and how to live, but there's a higher path and calling inside of you that only you can unearth. It's time to stop living by other people's scripts and expectations for your life and have your own awakening. So I think that says a lot within itself, but without further ado, Jeff, give us a little background on, on Jeff. Sure. I was just reflecting too on that mission statement-ish. It's funny, um, as children, we we, we're so innocent and we spend our adult lives like covering up this innocence in order to try to get it back. Right. Isn't, mm -hmm. isn't that the deal? Like children are, are so innocent and so curious about the world. And then, you know, as we get older, we're put into these boxes or we just like learn certain things in certain ways. And then at some point we realize that's like not us. And we just kind of burst it off. And I don't know about you, Kristen, but I believe we can have many changes like that in our life. You know, they're not related to a specific age or time. Absolutely. So, we're going to get into some of those. And the major one I had that kind of leads me onto this podcast today was I went the traditional route with like going to school, getting a stable corporate job and following that mold uh, my parents gave me, which in many cases or for many people is a fine mold. But uh, both my parents are retired professors. I'm one of three siblings. You know, we went to the beautiful University of North Florida here in Jacksonville, Florida, Jacksonville Beach, Florida, where I live. And you know, I just followed that route. I got a computer science degree. I minored in graphic design. And then if, if you're like me, you've kind of maybe always wanted to start something on your own or thought you maybe could turn a side hustle into a main hustle. And it was there on the corporate world, my twenties going into my mid twenties. And it was very stable. There was actually a pension system, if you can believe it, uh, then. And I remember I just got so bored. So I live at the beach, had to drive downtown 30, 35 minutes, park in a parking garage, walk all the way across the street, go into these like glass doors, up the elevator to 13 floors, 
And I was in their IT department there. It was about 200 people strong. I worked at a municipality. There's about 2,000 employees there. But yeah, I just got bored over time. I remember I had this moment where I was sitting, I got into the IT leadership. I did pretty good. I became a, a, a director pretty quickly. And there's about 10 of us around this like, you know, picture some city bureaucratic uh, boardroom, old, but still good, but just kind of classic. And I was looking at this guy who I dearly respected, but he made just like a little bit more money than me. And, you know, he was maybe 10 years from retirement. I was like, oh my God, I'll have to literally sit here and do the same thing for like 25 more years in order to like, I don't know, get a paycheck every two weeks. And I just wasn't for me. So at the time, uh, web design was really coming up. I had done web programming, done graphic designs so that interested me. Also like projects that I actually finished. So in this IT world, these projects would take years and we'd always ask for more money and tick off the executive team. But yeah, I had a wife at the time and a young child and I was the breadwinner. And yeah, they're in my late twenties. I just, I just cut the cord and I said, screw it. And I went out on my own and that was 16 years ago. I was going to say, what was the time? That's kind of crazy. Um, when, I mean, obviously we kind of, I think the entrepreneurial heart is always there, but when you have, you know, heavy responsibilities like spouse and child, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big move. I think that will light the fire under you to make sure you're executing. Um, what time was this? Was this like early 2000s? Yeah, this was like 2005, uh-huh, 16 okay. years ago. Okay. Well, before we carry on to that, I want you to touch on the the background. It sounds like right before that of being a pro surfer, you know, I love my fellow athletes and I think those life skills through sports is a, such a huge thing. Did any of that, like kind of being that athlete seeking that, you know, competitive drive or, or you know, competing situation, was that part of this pivot? Yeah, for sure. So I had the fortune of growing up within walking distance from the beach and still live here in Jacksonville Beach all my life. And the waves in Florida are okay. They're not the best waves in the world, but they're very accessible and we have waves all year. So I just, uh, you know, I had pretty strict parents and a pretty religious home. So surfing was like never off limits. So I just surfed my brains out and got really focused on it and ended up doing really well. And surfing's an individual sport. So while I did all the competitions and, and dominated those until I kind of walked away at 18, I, I um, got a lot of energy and drive from it. And in surfing, you compete against yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it definitely led me to just like have an aim and go after it. And, you know, the measure in the case of entrepreneurship was, can I pay the bills, right? That's the yeah. first baseline and surfing, you know, or sports, you can go into the comp competition and that tells you where you stand. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, like the entrepreneur heart, I think the athletes drive is always there as well. And these are really amazing things, uh, which might be subjective, but from my standpoint, I think they're amazing things. Uh, okay. So now, you know, we've, we're walking out of the corporate world. We have wife and kid, we're taking next move. What was like first step into starting your own situation? Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you like me, you probably start something on the side, which is what I did. And it's never been easier to do work digitally or to have a side hustle and, you know, experiment a little bit and see if that becomes a main hustle. So I started moonlighting on the side. I set an hours goal of like 15 hours a week and I was just plugging at it. And then um, I wanted to determine if for six months I could actually get enough work to, you know, kind of get something consistent. And then once I had about three months of work lined up, I was going to take that plunge and go out on my own. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's so risky. You know, not necessarily. If if you're in an industry and you've done it well and you leave somewhere on good terms, you know, if you completely failed in a year and had to go back into that industry or even go back to that same job, in my case, I left on very good terms, it was there. So I don't want to say it wasn't risky because I wasn't guaranteed a job back where I was, but 
Um, I knew I had that fallback. And then two, I had a little bit of work lined up, but uh, boy, did I ever learn about cash flow and projects finishing when I went out on my own. <laughs> it's so projects rough. delay. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. That corporate situation. I've dabbled in that slightly when opportunities come up, and my entrepreneurial heart has always brought me back to where I am now. But it, and it's it's hard to be out of alignment and truly thrive. Like paychecks, great, but to truly be happy in it is if you're out of alignment, it's not a piece. And it sounds like you were. Um, but I do think there's a golden rule that you just uh, potentially uh, unintentionally or unintentionally displayed of you, how you treat people as everything. So I think that if any, there's any entrepreneur listening, that's thinking about making the shift or, you know, thinks it's major risky, really risky. I think the key piece is how are you, how are you exiting? How are you treating people around you? Because regardless if, whether you come back or your business is success or whatever, the community is small, the world is small and word gets out. So I always stress to my entrepreneurs and really to all people out there, just treat people with respect and dignity. <laughs> it's a big, sure. Piece. Going out on your own doesn't have to be a burn the ships thing. It, it could right. be a celebration and perhaps your supervisor or company doesn't quite see eye to eye, but if you give them enough time and set them up for success. I mean, why the heck would someone not at least believe in you a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think good things happen to good people. So just put that good out there. Um, all right. Well, so now, now that, you know, it sounds like things are rocking and rolling. What was like the major first success when you're like, all right, I'm good. I've made it as an entrepreneur. What was like the flag for you? Oh, geez. You know, I wish there was a moment in time that defined it. I, I will say this. So we're jumping ahead a lot. So in 2005, I went out on my own, uh, was building websites, doing digital marketing. And because I had a computer science degree, the graphic design minor, I could do it all. So I literally did it all. And for a period of time, like liked it because, you know, all the money came to me minus uh, low overhead. And then certain parts started to take a lot of time or annoy me. But fast forward, the part where I really think I made it or I'm proud is where I'm at now we're here in 2021. And I would say for about the last four years, it's been pretty stable and I have control of my time. Yeah. And so generally, if, if things are going smooth in the business, which by and large, they are, the pandemics um, rock some things a little bit I'm having to work on. But, you know, I can have the company run without my day-to-day -day involvement and I can have it run in about eight hours a week. So I slowly peeled myself away from all the parts. And about almost a year ago to date, I, I got out of having to like close the sales. So it's a relief. Like I used to be driven by my email and driven by customers and granted I had boundaries and stuff. So I wasn't ever overridden by the business. I never worked more than 40 hours a week, oddly enough. I would, I would hit the thirties uh, regularly, but you know, not having to just have like email driving my life or like, you know, closing sales proposal, all the salmons of work in. I get to do a lot of leadership now. And I think, you know, the dream of every business owner perhaps would be able to work on the parts that you love or have it run without your day-to-day -day involvement. So yeah. that's the part when I'm like, wow, I'm really an entrepreneur and I actually built something here that's significant. And I'll close this little part by saying also the way the team feels day-to-day -day and how much they enjoy it. We're a boutique web design and digital marketing agency. There's about 10 of us, but they all really like it. And we spend a lot of time with the people we work with. It's almost a third of our life. So, you know, coming in on Monday to our weekly huddle at 1 PM is it's, it's faces. I love it's people I hang with a little bit outside of work. And to me, that's honestly been the most rewarding part. And that's only happened in the last four or five years to where I, I don't have this day-to-day -day pressure to yeah. do something. I'm, it sounds like you manifested this at whatever age you were when you're walking into those glass doors and you had the epiphany of like, here's a dude that makes, you know, five or 10,000 more dollars. I mean, it's going to take me 25 years versus fast forward now to your life where you can work, you know, 
eight or so hours a week or whatever it is. And, but you actually enjoy it and you're happy to walk through the doors and be with the people you're working with. Like that's a, a major shift. Um, and that is a perfect segue. I always think, no, that your personal world kind of mirrors your professional world and things that are happening are happening collectively, meaning the personal world and the professional world are not mutually exclusive. Uh, can you tell us that more things that were going on in the personal world that kind of maybe helped you question a better way and help some of the facilitate some of these shifts? Sure. So in my personal world, there's been some major changes. I, I would say the the one of the hardest and most rewarding things that I've dealt with in my life was I grew up in a very religious household. Um, and it, it, it wasn't like awkward religion. It wasn't a cult or anything, but you know, it taught me that these things were good and these things were bad. And it kind of, I don't know, it was ultimately ended up being a lot of mind control. I feel I didn't have the freedom to choose what I believed. And so I bought into that religion. You know, I, uh, led praise and worship forever and did music forever and a day. And I didn't have a reason to question it. And I remember I got really sick in 2012 and I was in the hospital for like 18 days. And I remember for the first time in my life, and I had been questioning a little bit before that, but I really questioned where I was going to go before I died. And I just had this epiphany that, I don't know, I'd been sold a bunch of like mythologies and things that weren't necessarily true. And walking away from that was a huge uh, multi-year process. And it was kind of like my whole world was built around that. So while that was really painful, I thought it was something that that I had to do. And finally, I'm, I'm at peace with where things are now. But that that was a pretty pivotal moment in my life. I think that's huge. And I don't know how much you get. You, you seem like a, a very um, fit human that's into wellness and, you know, from nutrition to fitness to spirituality. Uh, I In recent years, because of branding and marketing in my profession, I've been, ex and then being a competitor in lacrosse and CrossFit, I've been exposed to not just nutrition, but then understanding how your body carries stress or um uh, you, you know, depression or what have you. And I, I was in a similar situation where I was just in a competing in a gym and like, it just, it was just getting crazy and it was getting weird. And there were things that were just out of alignment of my core values. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was getting strep throat all the time. I was tired. I was having this weird dizziness. And I think physically, you know, this anger or frustration was manifesting in my body. And it got to a point where I was just, my knee was swelling up and I had ACL surgery in 2001. But point being, I think the conversation of like how that mental health manifests into like your physical health is a really important conversation. I think the second you are universe, God, Madonna, what I was saying here, I'm a huge Madonna fan. Uh, whatever makes you pause, like gets you really sick, gets you really injured, makes you have a shift, makes you stop and think. And I think in that stillness, that breakdown, breakthrough, clarity comes. And sometimes usually for my varsity humans, I say it takes something strong. Like it really has to whip your ass and make you be still for you to see the light. Uh, and these are just my theories. So take it or leave it. Um, but do you feel like that was like an experience for you where it was just like so out of alignment to where finally your body was like, we have to figure this out? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I I agree with you on the big pauses. And I had another one of those last year during the pandemic, because if you remember, I don't know, in the March, April, May timeframe, like everything shut down. Right. Yeah. And I personally like love to journal. And at first it was just weird and it was scary and you, you couldn't even really go to the grocery store. You'd order it online. But yeah, I remember in that stillness, like getting a lot of clarity and not that necessarily things need to change, but actually having margin in life to listen this, that, and other. And so I've never thought about 
it, it exactly the way you said it, but yeah, these things like a major illness or, you know, loss of a job or someone dying really do cause a time of reflection. I think mm-hmm. at the time when those things happen though, that's not at all where our headspace might be though. For right? sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it took me time. And, and at that time I was doing a working with like health and fitness companies. So we were keeping an eye on like a lot of uh, human optimization from like brain mapping and like the minutia of like human optimization. And it was really cool, but I was doing all these tests at the same time. And so like we were testing like my liver enzymes and they were coming up really high and everyone's like, well, yeah, you love tequila. And I'm like, well, yes, but not, <laughs> not on that level. And, um, in, in livers associated with anger. And so I didn't get it, but now, you know, years later I look back and I'm like, of course that was it. Like I was constantly, in this thing and it's not even that every day was so bad but it was just truly out of alignment with my core values which i didn't even know that then those at that point but now that i get it i'm like it's like waking up every day and walking into a building and doing something you don't want to do and nine times out of ten you can do that but you don't want to so you're fighting yourself and i think that's when the sickness happens and you just don't feel like it just doesn't feel right and so you're you're trying to right that wrong and you can't Sure. Did you find that you you pushed your body too hard in those times and you know pushed pushed through? Um, you, you know, I, perhaps. Uh, yes, we were so we, when we were training for the games. We we I had gone I don't even know five times or something. But it's we were in the depths of it. We knew we were overtraining and we were pushing that. Um, but miraculously, as I'm getting back now into my regular training, the stuff I can do, doing so much less and feeling so much better, it it wasn't the physical, like it was, yes, we absolutely beat our bodies to crap, but it was more just the situational space. Uh, Cause now, you know, I love it again. You know, even as a surfer, like once your hobby becomes like your, your business or you monetize it, or you're competing at a high level and it just shifts from super fun to, to business, that's a hard exchange in general. So that was kind of where I was at at that time. So it was a multitude of things, but really the, the things that were happening in the gym go against how I want to live on the daily. And I know it was like eating me from the inside out. Um, so it was a combination of things, but again, we have to learn the hard way. So I had to be like thrown in the depths of it. And now, now we know how to mitigate those situations. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned something good there. Um, I find, uh, in entrepreneurship, a lot of, there's this message out there these days and I mentor, um, millennials, I'm giving back to speaking to the young Jeff and, you know, we're, we're, we're taught to like live out our passion or, or find what you love and make money off it. But it's so funny. Sometimes passions, like I'm a, a musician on the side, like I still love to surf now, but it's funny how sometimes you take those things. And as soon as you have to yeah. do it for a living and like produce art for a living or something like that, it gets really hard. So I don't yeah. know. I think like life's a wheel, right? And, yeah. and work's called work. It's not called a vacation job a lot of times is a job it takes toil but you know sometimes um those hobbies and passions are better left on the side or making a little money off those so they can have a little more flow right you brought up a good point there because a lot (laughs) of people are told like do what you love do what you love and sometimes it's hard to make money doing like doing what you love like it's hard to become a professional athlete right there's i mean how many football players are out there for the few that even make a few hundred thousand dollars off of it Right. And well, and under the through line there is doing what you're told, like you're not getting into back to like your young self, as you said, and what you actually want to do, you're doing what you think you're supposed to do. So you just kind of start that journey uh, on a misstep almost from day one, if you're not really dialing in. And for me, that's not a conversation I grew up with. And I had deeply supported parents and they kind of just let me do whatever I I thought was right. And, um, we were all good kids, but, uh, we just didn't have the conscious conversation of like, what do you actually want to do? And Thankfully, I actually did kind of just follow my heart unknowingly. But then as I got older, I was making some of those moves of like, take this corporate opportunity. This is a phenomenal paycheck. It's good for this. Or however I talk myself into it. When deep down, that's 
a lesson I needed to learn. And I'm thankful for it, but that was completely out of alignment with who I am as a person. Um, as you know, as your journey's gone on, I really do want to hear more about um, the religion breakdown breakthrough. Because ironically, being still is a biblical situation. I'm not a religious human, so I can't even cite this correctly. But I've seen it come up many times uh, through things like that, um, through like biblical references. Tell me a little bit more about the religious background and how it, I mean, is that how you met your wife and is that now how your kids are raised or how does the old life come transition into the new life? Yeah, that's been, and I, I, that's been one of the hardest things. So it, religion was everything. So uh, funny story. And I'll just use like the terms and words that, that we use. So we're not beating around the bush. So I grew up going to these long church services since I was six years old. And, you know, they had like music and stuff like that. And they'd go on for hours. And then I got in trouble when I was in 11th grade in high school. And, you know, I was getting ready to get on restriction and not be able to go out or not do this or that. And my parents were like, you know, just go to youth group. Uh, and that's your only restriction, right? So I went in there like a long haired surfer at the time. And they were all tripping out at youth group because, you know, I was like top dog in my area. And they're like, oh, this guy's here. And I'd, I'd sit with like the younger kids because I just didn't want any part of it. But, you know, I kind of had this like magical experience, you know, during the music time there, the worship time, they call it. And, you know, I quote unquote got saved. And so that was in 11th grade and I never looked back. And like, that was my identity, my friend group. And it served me very well. I think we all need a framework to live by. There's a lot of ways to look at religion, whether it's the utter truth or whether it's like good for society or whether it's good to believe in something greater than our humanity and beyond ourselves. So there's lots of ways to look at religion. But for me, it became everything in my framework and it for, further enforced that right and wrong way of living. Like these things are sacred and holy and these things are not. And yeah, so I got married under those auspices, had my kid under those auspices and it served very well. I think anytime we're in any kind of community or doing something you know, for, for the betterment of ourselves, like CrossFit, certainly a community, mm -hmm. um, you know, it does produce a certain fruit and results. Ultimately though, um, Christianity is pretty inclusive, right? Or sorry, exclusive, you know, you either believe this or not. And I just started, you know, I was taught that that was like the way, the truth and the light and everything else was lost. And as I started looking out in the world and kind of had a taste of death in the hospital in my mid thirties, right. I like was going that way at a bad infection. Um, once I got treatment, I knew I was going to get better, but I could just feel my body like kind of returning to the earth. Cause that's where it goes. Right. We eventually yeah. turn into ashes, our physical body, like no one gets out alive. So that was quite pivotal. So I had to shed all that. And that was everything that's, um, my life was built on at the time. That's kind of like what I was known for. Not that I really cared if I wasn't known for that anymore, but that's like what I did was led worship. And uh, ultimately it probably had a major part in getting divorced. And I have four children right now. I've been divorced almost two years and ultimately it's, it's gone. Okay. But yeah, like uh, this person that was married to me for say 14, 15 years at the time looked over and was like, who are you? And my answer was like, I don't know. I didn't bring all this on myself. I didn't seek to like exit the faith or whatever. But as I started asking questions, it really fell apart really quick. And the part I regret most about it was just, I don't know, like just, just the mind control of it all, you know, yeah. like you're taught to believe a certain way. And that's ultimately the part I didn't like at all. Well, I think there's deep correlations from being in the corporate world and having 
this specific yeah. set of here's how you do things. And, and that sounds like that was out of alignment for you. And so then now it's like, we're in this religious zone and that sounds like it's out of alignment. So this I'm with you structure for me is not my strong suit. And I've learned to incorporate it a little bit more in, in a certain way. And it doesn't mean I'm running around wild uh, most of the time. Um, but having these like hard definitions of what things should be. And I'm way more on the art side than like the type A side of like creativity and subjective and, you know, do what you want to do. I don't think like these old school, you know, expectations are really realistic, particularly, particularly for things moving forward. But for me, the way I digest the world, it doesn't work. It sounds like for you, this was continuously showing up in your world or you had to kind of be this free entrepreneur and like yeah. found out your own journey. Yeah, I've never looked at it like that. You're right. Uh, corporate's pretty constricting. And if you don't buy into it the way that they give it to you, you're out. And mm -hmm. then you have your paycheck on the line. I guess perhaps with religion, you know, you can believe like your soul's on the line, the future of your children's destiny, and where all the people who died before you went. So, yeah, I never looked at it like that. But yeah. that's definitely the case with the religion. Very similar yeah. to the corporate journey. Yeah. To me, it all is like we're opting out of fear and in, yeah. and how my brain, how that digests is leadership, like the leaders that are like, do this, do it right. Do it. And I think that worked for a long time back in the day and still in some corporate old school corporate corporations right now. And this is where I have full faith in our little boutique situations. They're going to thrive because that's not the way things go anymore. And the Nikes and the big dogs, like big food, big pharma, whatever. It's all transitioning maybe 10 years from now, but it's this old school leadership where you lead by fear and you must follow this versus you inspire people to want to follow you, to want to show up to work and to love and, and to be there and be a useful piece of this world. That whole mindset is just now happening. So, um, and this might just be my optimistic heart being like, yay, here comes the world. But it's, I think things like people like us are right on time as the, as we're shifting, but also the world and how things are perceived and even the corporate world are shifting. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, I actually like that. And it's, it's kind of never been easier to find your tribe or your space or place. And that's a great thing, right? Because Absolutely. we'll feel more at home when we find our people or find like a vibration or an energy or frequency that we jive with. Um, it was crazy to, to get really off the beaten path. Um, I had tickets to Burning Man this year. People might know what that is, yes, right? That's absolutely. where like 80,000 wildly creative, artsy, a lot of technology people go into um, Black Rock, Nevada and build up this, this temporary city for seven days or so. But the pandemic stopped that. But I had a chance and it was always a dream of mine to experience something like that, to go to the largest regional Burning Man event. And it was in February and there was like 4,000 people off this key in Miami. And, and it was so wild to go to a place so creative that a lot of it challenged my creativity, a lot of like lifestyles and perceptions I hadn't seen before. And it was almost scary, but that's one of the reasons I went to it was just to kind of have my eyes open and challenged. And that was a real transformational point in my life. But, you know, that's going from like, hey, this is your upper middle class, like white Caucasian dream, white privilege world to somewhere where like all the rules and the scripts and yeah. everything from like gender identity to art and all that created I, I, uh, creativity, it didn't apply there. So it was really cool. Did you almost feel at home being in the mix of it? Yeah, I did. So I felt conservative there. Not that people are yeah. watching because that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. You're you're able to do you. But I, I finally have gone to a few other regional events and I've gotten more into the the 
the costume aspect and expressing yourself and like the clothes you wear. Cause you don't, you don't show up in a polo t-shirt and jeans. I mean, you yeah, could, but I hope not. It, it, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I've definitely found an acceptance and a freedom there and a creativity that's inspired me. I don't know about you, but like the day to day of normal of like get married, like have a nuclear family, get a stable job. Like that's pretty boring and easy to do. And I really feel like life, if you're not careful, will push you right into this middle, which you never question or ask for. And then things like the institution of marriage, which is failing like half the time, you know, there's, there's so much ask upon us and, and so many expectations on how to do relationships or things like that. So yeah. for a while, I'm still in this process of exploration because it's been about two years, but um, and I, but I left the faith a while ago. I'm still like getting answers and things like that. But I found that um, when I get off the beaten path, it's pretty rewarding, right? And it's maybe it's so scary to start a business or so scary to leave the religion of, you know, your youth or whatever you're brought up with. And, and frankly, we've all seen people that are kind of married and locked up and doing it for the kids, but have the most miserable lives. Yeah. I see that right now. Getting divorced was horribly scary after 17 years, splitting all those assets. But ultimately we were kind of on different life paths. And now we're in a place where, yeah, we're not together every day with the children, but we actually get along. We live near each other. So even things like that aren't the end of the world. So maybe the message there is like uh, overcoming these fears, right? And breaking out of these boxes and these things we think we should do or have to do. Uh, yes. And there's a, many points you brought up that just nailed it home. I, I cannot agree more. I think that on a small level, like breaking out of the corporate situation and being an entrepreneur, you're leaving your tribe and your community behind. And we know how important that is, whether it's your corporate community or your Burning Man community or what have you, it's so hard to step away from your your normal for or that reality. But then you have to have the faith that you're leaving for a reason. So there has to be something better on the other side. But that leap in itself is extraordinary because you're leaving your comfort zone. Um, and we know these metaphors through life, like get out, get uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes. But when it's really faced you and you have young humans and a marriage, like these are some pretty serious things to, to mix up. However, if I think you are deeply unhappy, just like, again, you're out of alignment, you're not useful to the world. You're not useful to your kiddos or not as useful as you can be. So like, there's always that personal responsibility to check in, or at least it's how I work in my world of, are we actually useful right now? Are we just doing it because we're supposed to be doing it or not? And it's so much easier said than done. Um, it's a really hard thing. But what I do, what I love about this is my approach to the world. I'm almost, I feel like I've waited 20 years for someone to say exactly what you just said. Like maybe the kids in the marriage thing isn't the thing. And one of two of my most downloaded casts, and we're not monetized this, so I don't really watch the numbers uh, probably as much as I should, but are, I did a cast on why aren't you married and why don't you have kids and two separate casts. And I, one, I sat down with a married girl, um, that we, it was that, why don't you have kids? One was married and didn't want to have kids. One was just single and didn't want to kids. So we kind of just shared all the perspectives. <clears throat> and then the, why aren't you, um, uh, I'm sorry, that was, why don't you, why don't you have kids? And the, why don't, why aren't you married? Uh, I think I did by myself. Long story short, these to me, I, 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 I come from a divorced family. My parents were still all very tight. They kind of just like grew apart. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked. So I think they just started to live in different worlds. And I was never jaded on, on marriage. And everybody think I'm 40 years old. I've never been married. I don't have kids. So people think like, what's wrong? What there's, you must be crazy. There's something. And I'm like, well, no, I actually believe in the institution of marriage. And I believe in like getting your best space before you do that. That's the biggest contract and commitment you'll ever enter. So why are, why are we rushing? Why are we making these decisions at 18, 25? Like you, 
your zero year old in retrospect at those times, like lives a little more. And I, it, it's taken, and I don't know why that made sense to me back in the day. Maybe it was because I was exposed to my parents and their relationship early on. And I saw how much work it was in all the best ways. Um, so I, I held that very tight. And then as, as a coach of young humans, I'm like, parenting's a very big deal. Like this is a big decision. So anyways, I, I love that there's two perspectives on this and I don't think there's any right and wrong. Cause I know people that have gotten married at 18 and they're still married and they're the happiest they've ever been. I just think it's an individual conversation it's, and it's important. It's funny, Kristen. Um, so I've obviously dated quite a bit in the last two years and, um, I've dated quite a few people, you know, in their, their thirties and forties who didn't have children. And like, they get asked all the time. Like I, I didn't ask them the question cause I knew I got asked all the time, but you know, there's like something wrong with your body and you can't have them or like you're yeah. too fiercely independent to doing it. It's just so funny. Like even that little thing, you can get kind of shamed or shunned for it. You know, it's like, yeah. just because it's different. Well, and now all my friends are at home with their eight kids <laughs> day to day. Um, and that might be okay with the pandemic, but I, I I just don't think there's any right or wrong. It's just individually, like get in touch with yourself and what you genuinely want to be doing. I'm still, are you, are you still open to marriage? Like, are you a fan of the institution in general? Yeah, for sure. Like, well, on one hand, it's a little scary. So here, here's what I think happens. I, I think a lot of times, like, so Think about how we change during the decades or the years. In in the beginning of life, it's so rapid, like a three-month-old versus a three-year-old, like night and day difference. Um, perhaps 60 years old versus 62, some difference, but we change a lot. So it is a big ask if we're in our early 20s or mid-20s to, you know, partner up with a person for life or until yeah. death do we part. And I think in my case, obviously the person she married in her 20s, like praise and worship leader, hyper-Christian, stuff like that where I evolved in my thirties and now in my forties has changed a lot. And so, yeah, I think it puts a lot of pressure on a relationship to stay together and to stay in love. And then a lot of times it's like, we'll do it for the children. But then if the children are in this like toxic environment all the time, and that's what our counselor told us is we were choosing to separate or not. She's like, if you guys can like treat each other well and co-parent well and not trash each other, your children may actually They'll, first of all, they'll be perfectly fine, but they may end up in a better environment than all this toxicity and tension. So I don't know. I think we change a lot. As far as believing in marriage, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's an interesting place. I I was so Christian before I got married and um, I, I didn't really date at all, right? So I, in 11th grade, I like committed my life to this lifestyle. And so it was so funny to be out in my 40s with like, you know, maybe the energy of someone in their twenties and the time and resources of someone that was older. So it's been a lot of exploration. So as far as like, would I marry again or things like that? I'm open to whatever. I think yeah. there's definitely a place to like be in a committed, uh, long-term relationship with someone, regardless of whether you like tie the knot with the government or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, also there's different ways people look at sexuality and not like having an anchor and having one partner and being with others. So, you know, I've looked into that too, although those are you know, grounds not many people tread on. Yeah. Well, or they just don't talk about it, which is a whole other podcast. Um, and I, again, it's just like entrepreneurship or going that corporate route. I think it's you dialing in to your authentic happiness or what makes you happy and then living accordingly and knowing that however it might, crazy it might appear to somebody else, if it works for you, it works. And particularly, I think when you're a parent, you have to make yourself happy so you can 
further spread that happiness to your kiddos and kiddos and babies and dogs can see everything and they are aware of everything. So you better get it right because they see what's going on. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about this cast and what we talk about, because I think it'll find the right people and they can question their own better way accordingly. And perhaps this supports that journey. Uh, as you move forward and, and things are going on, how much of this like spiritual, let's say openness or open mindset um, helps support your business and your entrepreneurial pursuits? Yeah. So I think overall it's been really rewarding. I've made um, just peace with things. And if we look out at the world with what we can see, you know, our five senses and, and maybe there's a sixth sense out there, like the world's a super diverse place, right? There's like mountains and there's deserts, there's seasons of plenty and rain and not. And, I think um, it it just ties into life and entrepreneurship in a beautiful fashion, right? Entrepreneurship can be a roller coaster, right? The pandemic has thrown us a little curveball here at the era, end of 2020, and we're now, you know, in the first month or two of 2021. So um, that open mindedness and that willing to be flexible and mold and uh, that willingness to explore entrepreneurship and, and spirituality and, and that open mindedness have definitely gone hand in hand for me, for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. I always, I always find my um, mission-driven humans are involved with mission-driven businesses, and then they attract clients and, and opportunity and work that are like-minded. So it's really cool. And I think those are the situations that inevitably help move the needle forward, meaning uh, help our world get to a more positive, open-minded space, if that makes sense at all. Uh, yeah. Now that, now that you are, you know, on, you've had your mail mark, main, main marker of success, or, you know, you can have the work week you want. What, what's exciting now? What is, you know, as this competitor, what's, what's exciting moving forward? Yeah. So I really believe in getting back. So leadership is it, for me, it was such a cliche and loaded term for a while. It's kind of like that term love. Like I love chocolate. Yeah. I love babies and I love this person to death. Um, so leadership, I just kind of shied away from it, but it is really cool to be in a place in my business where, you know, I, I get to do a lot of strategic thinking with the leadership team, right? And it doesn't take that much time, but it takes a lot of like thoughtfulness and like traject uh, thinking of where things will go in a trajectory. So that's been super rewarding, but I've turned my attention to the younger generation. So the millennial entrepreneurs, right? In their twenties and thirties. And then Gen Z at the time of this recording is like super early twenties. And it's just been a beautiful thing to go back and encourage people to that that you got it this that and the other when i went on my own you know half the people i talked to were like oh this sounds like i don't know like go for it if you want or some people are like man you got this super stable job with this pension don't do it so yeah. i think a lot of times in life we just need a little encouragement a little you know you got this and you know, Kristen, going back to like CrossFit or competing in that, like how many times do we like limit ourselves? We're just like one little nudge away from going to the next level. So mm -hmm. as far as where my attention's turning, I want to encourage my team. A lot of them are millennials to kind of carry the torch forward as we go into the, the next uh, half decade, decade of the marketing agency. And then two, just encourage people out there that are trying to start their own thing that they can do it too. I love that. It's it's so deeply important. And as you know, a marketing and branding agency, uh, digital agency, we are on the front lines of how people are digesting the world. Everything is computer. Everything's handheld device. So everything that I think our young people are digesting is coming through these situations. And a lot of the gatekeepers are the marketing and the branding situations that are helping like build their realities. Uh, I've found you know, I can have these deep conversations with podcast guests and whatnot, but it's harder to like get my own family <laughs> to get into these deeper spaces. Like we can a little bit, but we're also all genetically stubborn. So I know that's hard. 
how much of this ideology in this newfound world um, do you share with your kiddos or do you open their minds up to? Yeah, for sure. So there's, there's never been like so much information out there, so many ways to look at things. It's all at our fingertips before, like you, before people couldn't even read or write, like so information was just passed down orally and you would never travel, say more than like 10 miles of where you live. So today everything's kind of available at your fingertips. So um, I, I feel like, you know, my kids get exposed to like the normal things and the normal sports and kind of where they live and grow up. But as far as belief systems, I just kind of let them do whatever and whatever doesn't mean like whatever, but yeah. Like, what are you feeling? Do you like church? Is it serving you? Or sometimes they'll come to me and they'll ask me really pointed questions about religion and I'll just give them an honest answer. So yeah, I don't try to, uh, turn them down from anything. For example, one of my daughters, she's just doesn't like to do physical stuff very much. You know, uh, we go to the beach a lot and she like tried surfing for a while. She did volleyball for a while. It wasn't her thing. Well, it turns out she loves to like write and she like loves books and she loves like, you know, being intellectual. So I just try to embrace that side of her. Cause like, why would I ever want her to become a surfer if she wasn't a surfer girl? Um, one of my sons is super athletic. I, I personally hate football. Well, I shouldn't say I hate football. I have no interest <laughs> in football. I never watch it or anything. Well, he really, took to football. Right. So okay. I got behind it. I learned more about football than I thought I would and you know, let him pursue that path. So I think each of us inside kind of like knows what we're after and knows what type of person we are. So I try to find those gifts, not only in my children, but, you know, in team members and not put a square peg in a round hole or not try to take something away from someone. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if my daughter really likes books and writing, but maybe that's not my thing or the rest of them, let, like, let her do that, encourage that. And she did, she ended up going to a school and got to focus specifically on creative writing for a few years. And it was a beautiful thing, but, uh, letting the, the square peg, you know, go in the square hole. Yeah. I think that's amazing. It sounds like, uh, your kiddos have, an amazing perspective from your ex-wife and from you. And I actually think, you know, having, I think when you look back on your journey, you see all these necessary pieces that fit together, you know, turmeric and tequila be coming from this really religious situation to now being this free spirited entrepreneur, but you probably couldn't get to where you are without that confinement early on and experiencing that. So to have this juxtaposition of conversations as you're growing up, I think is a really beautiful thing because you have a plethora of perspectives to choose from, and then you can choose what's right for you and what makes sense. And to have that at a young age is remarkable. I mean, we didn't grow up with that. And I like to think we still turned out okay, are turning out okay. Um, but that's really powerful when you're young to have these really open conversations. Do, do you think they're like a little ahead of the game from your perspective, having this, these mindset and conversations? Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. The the world's a creative and curious place. Like on Netflix now, or like podcasts we listen to, or even sports, we there's little tribes all over the place. So I think approaching life with a more open-minded mindset and kind of like discovering what makes you tick definitely puts you at an advantage. And I think there's not as many limiting factors uh, these days, right? It's I mean, we can start an e-commerce business tomorrow. People are into the like the weirdest things, like the weird, maybe certain type of crochet or just like the most random thing you can go sell on Etsy. And sure enough, if there's a hundred people that will buy it, like you can find them. So I think that open-mindedness will bode well for them. I, I, I agree with you back to the earlier point about like uh, purpose-driven brands and some of the bigger monoliths going away. I think 
yeah, society will change a lot in the future. I still think for my kids, there's this expectation of this four-year college degree, but mm -hmm. we're seeing what's happening with degrees. Like the student loan market has gotten all over them. And it's almost this like thing where you pretty much don't learn what you're going to go do in the real world, but you certainly <laughs> will collect a lot of debt and get a stamp on a piece of paper. So I hope things like that in the education system, which has brought a lot of good, perhaps without it, we wouldn't be where we are today in the Western world, in the US, but man, do we need it exactly as it is now? No, I think some of those institutions need to catch up. And the yeah. same with religion. I mean, we're seeing a lot of this old guard topple down, um, but some of these behemoths are slow to change. Oh, it's it's so crazy. And I, I agree with you. It is change is slow. We know that we've seen that with race and diversity this year. We've seen that with the stock market. We've seen that with politics. It gets things are in eruption. I, I actually do think on the positive side, it's a breakdown breakthrough point for the world. And yes, we have a ton to do and and dial back in. However, it, it's a really great reflection point to say like, OK, well, I can't change the world literally like right this second, but I can change me. I can change the energy I emit into this world. I can change the four humans I'm raising and, or the eight that I'm, you know, coaching or leading at my own business. I mean, there are points of control within that. So, uh, I think it's a, it's a, a point to note, like when things seem so out of control, you lean back into like, okay, what the hell can I control? What pieces, what pieces do I actually have my hand on the gear here that we can move forward or move back? Sure. And I'm pretty into life architecture. Like uh, autonomy was one of the main reasons I went out on my own. I just didn't want to have to drive every day. Like a lot of times in a corporate world, like you have your lunch break plus your quote unquote eight hours. So you're there committing to nine, 10, 11 hours when most of it is wasted. So I really have gotten into like life architecture. And that's like, how do I want to feel every day? How do I want to feel about my work? Because in a way we're all after a certain feeling. And so I, being an entrepreneur and having control over my time has been one of the best things that I've stumbled into. And that's allowed me to like, you know, curate my mornings or what time that I wake up. Yeah. For example, I never like to wake up with an alarm clock and that's not at all because I'm lazy, but it's nice to like, let your body like wake up when it wants to wake up based on the schedule you're on. I love, I love meditation. I love to like work out in the middle of the day when there's not a lot of lines or there's not a lot of people out. Like I jogged a couple of days ago, actually I jogged yesterday on the beach and I did it outside of the normal hours. And it was this beautiful nature experience and it kind of energized me for the rest of the day. So I found that by being an entrepreneur, I'm able to architect uh, more aspects of my life. And that results in me feeling better and lets me work on those deeper things. Yes, I could not agree more. And to me, that just speaks on letting go of what other people think are measures of success. Like it's, you can't really quantify like how great it feels to go work out when you want to or do things that you want to what success to most people is having the most money but I, I heard a great quote like a lot of people are living like dying's an option F time is a finite resource like we all have x amount of hours and we don't even know when that clock's gonna tick so if you're not spending that time the way you want to you're really doing yourself a disservice and that gets super complicated when you do have job or kids or you know a multitude of commitments however i i think it's a massive check-in point to pull back and be like Oh my God, this is so amazing. I have so much gratitude for me having the ability to go on a jog right now, or for me making life decisions and people that don't have that know that you can have that. These things are possible. Like this is within your reach. Um, do you, are, are your kids like a little bit of a free spirit? Like, are, are they like, I mean, I want to go to college. I want to do this. And then are you encouraging potentially of those thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Once again, um, well, I come from a family of educators. Both my parents are retired professors and um, my ex is a teacher. So there's so many educators. So yeah, some of them will probably still get the college degree. But, uh, you know, 
I have the business here. I'm building a business to like mentor young people, this, that, and the other. So hopefully there'll be some opportunities for entrepreneurship or for yeah. them to do what they love. And I always want the random one or two of them to, you know, I've surfed all my life. I, I learned Spanish on the side. So I've been to Central America a ton, Costa Rica and some other places, but to, you know, before they get too many of those obligations, cause you just mm -hmm. mentioned, like if you have a monthly nut to feed like a significant other and children, then you kind of need to meet those obligations. But before they get out there too much on their own, like what if someone like started a surf camp out there or did, uh, I want to eventually own a retreat center. I'd, I'd love to have it overseas or maybe somewhere in Florida where people can come from like a Thursday or a Friday until a Monday and really just get away and have a deep uh, reset inside. So I hope some of the kids get on a path like that and do something that's a little more nature involved, a little more yeah. in touch with a human soul and could give people and provide people those experiences. That'd uh, be exciting. I'm I'm so glad to hear. And God, we really need that. I had, uh, I was on a call yesterday and somebody asked me, what do you think about the social media? Like, do you think there's a breaking point? And I'm like, no, I think it's going to get way more intense. The difference is I actually think our young humans understanding the implications and screen time and brain impact and all this stuff, again, that we didn't, I didn't question until 20 years later after these things were out. I think they see it. I think there will be this natural withdrawal from social media and kids consciously uh, choosing to check out. So I love to hear that you are like, positioning these opportunities for them to be like, I don't like this. Oh, yes, I'm going to go get into nature, which we know is good for everyone, regardless of what you believe or where you came from. Everyone, every human needs that. Uh, and, and so I think these, what you're putting together is right on time because I do think our young humans, our millennials are ahead in some respects of where we are because they've just, been thrown inundated with information and, and uh, questioning a better way. And I think they will seek these out. So while the machine is running and digital media is getting bigger, I think the consumer, the kiddo, the human will eventually- But they can like, use it oh, as a tool instead of compulsively, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I like that aspect of it versus, I don't know, constantly looking in the funny mirror to you know determine their position in society and things like that, to think for themselves, to, like, to use it. Well, that's how you do it now with your marketing, right? You team up with companies that are real purpose-driven, that have a good mission, and then you do blast out on social media and, and the other avenues. But the hope is that the, the people that identify and actually need that will link up with them. And that's like a really pure and good use of it. Yes. I love social media and I'm very upfront about that. However, I mean, older, responsible adult, I can differentiate and understand the filters. And that's literally why we started the podcast was to start highlighting the truth in varsity humans like yourself. Uh, because there is, it's not all bad. However, you need to be able to have a responsibility with it and know when th some things are real and some things are not, which is the world in general. Um, before we we start to wrap up, tell me more about this mentorship situation and uh, the, your website's amazing. I mean, obviously that's where you come from, but I was really, you know, called to the message and um, what you're doing. I love that impact is at the forefront of what you're doing, but tell us a little bit more about the programs as a whole. Yeah, so I started this thing called Converge, and the goal here in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, is to launch a co-work space, right? So where those digital nomads, those little hustlers can come and, you know, miss the coffee shop vibe, but it's a little more work-oriented. But with the pandemic and things going on, also, I haven't figured out real estate of the beach. We might need to go in town because it's just way overpriced. Uh, I started just mentoring, uh, doing these 90-day mentoring programs, these year-in-review things, and that's it, the website, weconverge.io. And so as part of that, I've taken entrepreneurs who are a little bit off the ground, um, maybe making money off doing videography. We had digital marketing. We had an artist that had their side hustle, but would get you know shows done in the city that they lived in. And in 90 days, we'd go after one wildly important goal. 
And so that was something that was working on the business instead of in it. We get on a call every week and we stayed really focused. And, uh, you know, this handful of uh, entrepreneurs and myself got together and sprinted during these 90 days and achieved pretty uh, great results. A lot of times we just don't take a baby step or start, right? So mm -hmm. getting with some like-minded people and actually setting a goal that's not just like, I don't know, fulfilling a proposal that's got to get out or there's some work obligation that's got to uh, get done. That was super rewarding. And we actually even do that on our team too. We always have a big, hairy, audacious goal that we're going after in the year. So that's uh, some of the mentoring stuff I've been doing. And that's at weconverge.io. And hopefully soon, a co workspace here in Jacksonville would be awesome. And we'd go from there. I love it. How do uh, the kiddos get involved? I shouldn't say kiddos. How do these entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs get involved with a program like this? Like, how do they become a mentee? Yeah, sure. So they could just go to weconverge.io and the programs that we have running and offered at the time are there and they can fill out the form and get in touch with me. And yeah, that's been super rewarding. Another place is uh, jeffvin.com. That's J-E-F-F-V -F -F, as in victory, E-N-N.com. So jeffvin.com and that has a link to our agency, a link to where I'm doing the mentoring stuff and just been getting out there and spreading the love. I love it. Uh, how much have these coaching was one of the best parts of my life and I, I miss it. It was a huge, huge time and heart commitment. So I had to move forward to some other things, but it was amazing. How much have you learned from working with some of these young hustlers? Yeah, it's been, it's been really inspiring. So a lot of times in life, it's things will beat you down or things will like push you really hard and you kind of got like put limits on them. Like, you know, you could check email all day long or until you get this thing right in a contract, like these jobs are going to go the certain way. So to get a little bit above the fray and to like kind of dream big and then run with someone on these ideas, it's just been super encouraging. One of the things I didn't do, you know, having been, you know, having the digital agency since 2005 was getting a, a coach or get mentoring myself or get in a place where I was actually working on the business instead of in it. So I find that's where we get the little seeds and the creativity that'll define like the, that year or the next year. So if I could give advice to anyone who's kind of out on their own or doing like a side hustle or something like that would be to, you know, go to conferences in your industry that'll really inspire you get a business coach. So you can have a more rounded approach to your business. Cause a lot of times, you know, we just launch out doing that thing. We, we know really well in my case, like website design, but I didn't know how to do the finances. I didn't know the power of having a written contract. I didn't know that people actually like to be charged as soon as a project starts. They like to know when milestones are there. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle great with the cash flow. So putting yourself, um, you know, with a like-minded group of people who are going after stuff has been super rewarding. So as I work with these young people, I personally always set a goal for myself and go after it. And it's been really inspiring. I love that. I, I, I think anytime you're in a position of service like that, it always comes tenfold. It's pretty amazing. Um, this is a 180 switch and then I'll, I'll let you run, but I want to, we touched on our initial call about micro dosing and how that's like fueling creativity. And I have spoke about ayahuasca <clears throat> and I've, I've never done it. I was actually signed up to do it twice and both times fell through because of scheduling or whatever. Uh, but I just want to get as a fellow creative and microdosing, there's documentaries on it. It's a big deal. Uh, silly asylum. I don't think I'm saying that correctly, but essentially mushrooms are becoming legal in many States as um, a health option. But you know, from early ages, you know, you see musicians and acid and like some of the, our greatest works of art have come through some of these like microdosing, if you will, situations as a creative, how do you view some of these like new age conversations around microdosing or tapping into that creative uh, space in a unique way? Sure. So I got exposed to this stuff about a year ago and 
I don't know. I think so. America, it's so easy to go out. Like, I feel like alcohol is our drug and slowly yeah. marijuana is becoming legalized, but that's can be such a low vibration thing. It definitely warms up socially. It's good anxiety relief. Like if I get a nice buzz going, it's kind of hard to worry about stuff, but um, these psychedelics have really been uh, eye-opening. A, you don't want to do them all the time because they're scary, right? And yeah. I can speak to like psilocybin and mushrooms as, as an example, but it's like a four or five, six hour journey. Then you can do a certain level to where, you know, it's a little body higher, going to shift your perspective a little bit. But when you really go on a psychedelic trip, and I highly recommend anyone who who is on the fence with trying it to try it, it's a beautiful ego death. You, you're literally <laughs> like forced immediately to like think in different ways about things. Some of it is intriguing and mesmer mesmerizing. In other ways, like, I don't know, I saw certain areas in my heart where, you know, I've been really hateful to my ex or just really dominant in situations to my own downfall. And the only way I could have seen that in that time was just being on the psychedelics and having perspective shift so wildly. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those epiphanies really woke me up. So I'm, I'm all for those journeys. I personally haven't done an ayahuasca journey. It looks like long and arduous. I would certainly charge the heck out of it, but you right. know, I've done some of the other ones and um, they've been enlightening and uh, I'll stay at that. I hope at some okay. point, um, you know, retreat centers, you, you can incorporate that. And people are like, Hey, well, you can meditate or work out or do those things to have a breakthrough. Absolutely. Like I'm over a thousand <laughs> sessions in on the Headspace app with meditation. I definitely journal and do all those things, but to be able to take a substance in an environment where you feel safe and to have just like your, your brain just basically gets split open and you really like question who you are for a period of time. Yeah. That's a beautiful experience and priceless. So I'm all for it. Those things aren't too addictive either. They're at times so intimidating. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people don't even want to delve into them. So people are like, oh, that's crazy. You're going to lose your mind forever. And it's like, nope, you just might really question reality for like three, four, five hours. And heck, that's a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but I get so stuck in my thinking that anything to break the way I did. Yeah. Think. Like, yeah. that's why I work out. That's why I journal. That's why, like, I, why do we travel? We want to have that brain stimulation, that creativity. So to be able to find that in some things like psilocybin mushrooms or an LSD or ayahuasca is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, very well said. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm open to it. I'm my only caveat to that would be saying for anyone that's seeking it is just do it in a safe place and do it in a responsible fashion with people you trust. Um, but I, I think there's such a great parallel in our entire conversation of like, there's fear to take the leap. There's fear to get married. There's fear of this, like everything is like that, the step that the fear that's holding you back from taking that step. And I think this is the exact same thing. Like if there's fear, if it's on your mind and you're just not doing it because you're afraid, you should probably do it and be open-minded to it. Cause it just might be a wonderful thing on the other side. Yeah. And you said that earlier, those, those times that uh, are most painful or difficult. It's almost like life is asking us to like check. So some of those we can voluntarily choose by being a little more bold and courageous than other times, like life just comes and hits us. Mm -hmm. But maybe the response of that time isn't to like curl over in fear or ask why, 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 but to like, look at what the shift's going to like lead towards. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think I think we get wiser as we get older. <laughs> I don't know if I could have digested that at 20 something. I, but again, I think our kiddos are ahead of the game. I completely agree with you. I think as we get older, before you have to hit the wall, you might be able to step right around it and be like, oh, wait, I learned this lesson. I think I know what to do here. For sure. I love it. All right. You said um, any IG or Facebook information you want to share? Uh, yeah, for Instagram, you can go to Create Web Studios. And um, the We Converge is underscore, We Converge underscore. So those are the two Instagrams, at Create Web Studios and at underscore We Converge underscore. 
I love it. Let's definitely keep in touch. I, I'm really super curious about uh, the mentorship program, Converge, and how that uh, fully comes to fruition with the retreats and ideally the workspace. I'm really curious on how you stay in touch and mentor our, our young people. That's certainly my passion piece. And I think that's what uh, any responsible human at this point that has the time and energy should be doing. So I'm curious to see how that develops and um, hits success or whatever that means. For sure. And hopefully we can do some work together with all the branding and marketing stuff. That's a fun world. The digital yes, well, world. As you were saying, you got out of the stuff you do and don't like. I can tell you right now, the website and all the technical, not my vibe. I just want to be creative. I just want to have conversations. So we're we're pinning those pieces where we need to. And I'm super blessed and grateful that we cross paths personally, but now professionally as well, because uh, we could use a professional pro right in that region. So <laughs> <For sure. laughs> it's good. But Jeff, I appreciate your time and energy. Let's definitely connect soon. And shout out to Podmax. That's where we cross paths. They're attracting varsity humans. So we, we got to give them a little bit of love. But uh, I appreciate this conversation and let's uh, connect soon. All right. Same to you, Kristen. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.